This episode is brought to you by The Route. Have you heard about The Route Beauty? It's a clean, medical-grade skincare brand founded by a nurse and her best friend. Both are beauty industry experts and working moms in their 50s who wanted to address all the reason the skin ages in as few products as possible. All formulas are designed to work in harmony with your skin's circadian rhythm and are backed by science, road-tested by experts, and proven to work. The route works its magic by using award-winning, clinically proven ingredients that deliver transformative results. I love the entire line, but their Instagram famous party peel is one of my favorites. It's an invisible oxygenating peel, meaning it won't actually make you peel, that bubbles on contact so you can literally watch the ingredients work their magic to give you smooth, glowing, party-ready skin, and it's gold. Speaking of gold, the golden rule is also a game changer. It's a next generation retinoid gentle enough to be used every day. Retinoids are one of the best ways to teach your skin how to act young again, but they can make your skin super sensitive. In fact, some people can't tolerate them at all. That's why the golden rule is the perfect solution. And we love it. I could go on, but why don't you check out the line and let us know what you think? They are offering 25% off just for our amazing listeners. So head on over to the routebeauty.com and enter courageous 25 at checkout. You can also find the direct link in our show notes. Welcome to courageous wellness. My name is Erica Stein. And I'm Allie French, and this is a podcast about individual journeys within wellness and how to navigate it all. After Allie experienced a cancer diagnosis in her 20s, and Erica went through a sustained 50-pound weight loss and self-love journey, we created a platform to interview real people from all walks of life that have combined all types of practices. From physical wellness to emotional and spiritual, we hear courageous stories and focus on why it's important to share them. We are both certified integrative nutrition health coaches and together with our community are learning to live our most purposeful lives by sharing one courageous story at a time. It takes courage to share these journeys and by talking about them, we aim to destigmatize the process. We want you to be your own health advocate, feel educated and informed on the latest in health and wellness and empower you to feel your absolute best. And because we want to bring forth a wide variety of stories, the opinions of our guests do not necessarily reflect our own, but we hope the diverse and varied stories will empower you to make the best choices for your own life. So join us as we and our community share our courageous wellness. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to Courageous Wellness. I'm very, very excited for this intro because in the future, we're recording this a little bit ahead. Because when this airs, Miss Allie French will be a married woman. You will have had your wedding. Allie is getting married in Santa Barbara. And when this wedding, when this wedding, when this episode is released, our girl will be a, a wifey. You're, you're going to be married. You're going to be hitched. You guys are eloping. Yeah. How do you feel? How, I mean, are you excited? I am excited. You know, it's funny. I am excited. I am obviously like my partner and I have a, a life together, so nothing really changes to be honest, but, um, no, I'm really looking forward to it. We are eloping, which I'm actually like 100% happy about. I've wanted to, one of my girlfriends reminded me that like, I've always wanted to elope if I got married and 
she and I've been friends for 20 years. And I used to, she was like, Oh, you used to talk about that in high school. So I'm really glad I'm doing that because to be honest, I enjoy going to weddings, but I like have not an ounce or a bone in my body that had any desire to plan one. Like <laughs> I'm stressed at like the idea of planning one. Um, so I'm so happy. We're just going to like, keep it super low key and do that. And, um, yeah. And so it is exciting though. And I'm happy that I'm doing it in the way that I want to, yes, which is I'm, even better. I'm really happy for you. You know, I've been married now for Oh my gosh. Time. Seven, yeah. So it'll yeah. be seven years in July. And we only had 50 people, which was, yeah, you guys small, small. but I think eloping is like genius, genius, genius. And you guys are going to have the best time. And what's great is we did get to celebrate you with your my local girlfriends. LA girlfriend, local had, girlfriends had a we beautiful had a, brunch. Yes. We had a beautiful bridal brunch in West Hollywood. We went to like a trendy West Hollywood. It was I so know. cool. I mean, post pandemic and like as women in our thirties now, I was like, we're at a cool West Hollywood restaurant. I know. <laughs> I know. It, it was, felt so nice. Didn't it? Like after it was, being home for two years. Yeah. It was so fun. It was so fun to celebrate you. It was so fun to see that rock. If you guys haven't, because Ali is not a bridezilla bridal poster poster on the gram. Um, her, her man did a very good job. She has a rock on that figure. It is so blingy and sparkly. And I just like, I was like your ring set dresser at this bridal brunch. Oh gosh, and every picture. Funniest. I know it's like, it's so funny. Like Erica, as you can tell, like, I feel like she's, she's such, you know what the thing is, you're a lover of love. You always have been. And you're also love like I love my friends. I love celebrating you. Love your friends. You. No, but I mean like your fun, like fun aspects of your personality. You love love. You also love, um, like, I don't know if bling is the right word, but you love like a little like extra, like your high fashion, your those things. So it's good to have someone like you in my life because I would literally roll no, up like in sweatpants. We were you know? taking selfies and, and we'll share in stories. I'll share one of our selfies with our other good friend in our stories and you'll, you'll see the bling. But, um, she, she like, she'll take the picture and the ring is like, you know, cause you know, it's cold and it's like, it's not even yeah. like in the shot. And I'm like, girl ring. <laughs> I know. I'm like, glass. I don't care. <laughs> um, but we got to have, so you are eloping, but we got to have a really, really nice little brunch, brunch celebrating yeah. you. And that was fun. And I told Allie it's her bride year, regardless of, you know, so you get to celebrate all year. We're going to continue celebrating you, but, um, we'll share some pictures in our stories. So go head over to Instagram today and check it out and you'll get to see, see some of Allie's love, but we're so excited for you. And thank you next week. You can tell us all about how it went and, and yeah. fill us in on, on, on your little elopement in yeah, Santa Barbara. Like I'm so excited. It feels I like old fashioned. I feel like you, people used to elope a lot. Yeah. A little, a little elopement, a little vintage um, elopement. but I'm really, I love your partner and you, and I'm just, we're, we're very, very excited, um, for you, Allie here. And I'm sure all our listeners are as well. And, um, I just want to share too. I actually used, um, if you haven't tried the route, one of our new sponsors, um, they're amazing and they have all this really incredible skincare products with a real focus on like anti-aging, but anti-aging in the best way, right? Like celebrating who you are and looking your best in your best skin, but they have this amazing party peel, which is like an exfoliator. Um, it's, it's not really a peel peel, but it's like, it was made as a party peel, right. To use before you head to a party or an event or something where you just want your skin to look, um, 
pretty amazing. And it's won actually like a breakthrough beauty award in 2021. And it really exfoliates and revives your skin and it makes it gold. Um, when you put it on, it's just really, it's really fun. Yeah. Golden, um, peel. Anyway, I used it before, um, your brunch. your brunch when I was getting ready. And I just, it was like so fun. It really yeah. felt like, I mean, again, depending on where you are in the country, you've probably already experienced this, but for me who have really high risk family members, it just felt so normal. I had like my party peel on and I was like going to brunch. And so thank you to Allie for getting engaged and being able to give me that opportunity, a place to go, My a, place to, a place to celebrate. But, to um, your if, mask. You, if you want to try the party peel or you want to check out the route, um, you can save 25%, um, with code courageous 25 and the link to everything is in our show notes. So check that out. And yes. yeah, just congratulations, Allie from Thanks, all of us. Dear. We love you. We love you. Love you. Love you. Love you. Um, you. but we have a great episode today too, with Alexis and she is such her journey is really incredible and she's so spiritual and she's had just like a beautiful, beautiful wellness journey. So I'm really excited for everyone to listen to that today. And is it cool if we get into it? Are you ready? Yes, let's go. Okay. So this week on the show, we welcome Alexis Allison, certified life coach, certified health coach, and founder of the Huma Rising app, which incorporates deep healing practices, community, and healthy lifestyle practices. Alexis shares with us her story of coming back to herself after having a life that looked great on the outside, but wasn't truly serving her. At age 26, she had a master's degree from one of the top international relations schools in the world, a dream job, and a great relationship, but describes herself during that time as anorexic, depressed, and completely lost. Yes. And today we learned about her journey that took her into a deep dive into ancient practices, including yoga and how that has evolved into working with plant medicine in her current practice. We appreciate Alexis for having this open conversation with us, and we hope you enjoy and learn from her episode. This episode is brought to you by Ned. Let's talk about CBD. The CBD market feels really saturated these days, doesn't it? It seems like you can get it at any coffee shop or grocery store, and many CBD brands actually source their hemp from industrial hemp farms in China. The brand that we love, and more importantly, the brand that we trust is Ned. Ned produces some of the highest quality CBD available in the world, and Erica and I only partner with brands that we ourselves use. Ned shares third-party lab reports, who farms their products, and their extraction process all right there on their website. Ned is also USDA certified organic with all products extracted from USDA certified organic hemp plants grown by an independent farmer named Jonathan in Peonia, Colorado. How's that for knowing exactly where your CBD comes from? We have both been longtime users of Ned. I rely on the full spectrum hemp oil to help with anxiety and the hormone balance blend has been a game changer as I transitioned off of birth control. And today we want to talk about Ned's new product, which has been in development for over a year, the de-stress blend. 
I've gone through two bottles since it's come out and I could not be more obsessed with the benefits and the effects. This one-to-one -one formula of CBD and CBG is made from the world's purest full spectrum hemp and check out these ingredients. CBG is known as the mother of all cannabinoids because of how effective it is at combating anxiety and stress by inhibiting the reuptake of GABA, the neurotransmitter responsible for stress regulation. Ashwagandha is an amazing Ayurvedic adaptogen that enhances your body's resilience to stress. And the delicious taste of this blend is thanks to the botanical infusion of cardamom and cinnamon. Cinnamon is a powerful prebiotic that supports your gut health, a key player in your mental health. And cardamom combats stress by helping reduce your blood pressure and cortisol levels. Also, Ned's quality speaks for itself. The products have over 1,500 five-star reviews, and they work with incredible partners within the medical field like Dr. Carolyn Leaf, Dr. Christian Gonzalez, and Dr. Will Cole, who has been a two-time guest on this podcast. If you'd like to give Ned a try, Courageous Wellness listeners get 15% off Ned products with the code CWPODCAST. Visit helloned.com slash CWPODCAST to get access. That's H-E-L-L-O-N-E-D.com forward slash CWPODCAST to get 15% off. Thank you, Ned, for sponsoring the show and offering our listeners a natural remedy for some of life's most common health issues. You can also find a link in our show notes. We are so excited to offer our listeners a new discount to one of the best probiotic supplements on the market, Seed. Whether you are a Patreon member in our nutrition community or a regular listener of the podcast, you know that Allie and I are both very serious when it comes to the importance of gut health and building a thriving microbiome. I personally have been using seed for months and have noticed a big difference in my digestion and bloating. I am now devoted to taking seed every morning before food and I'm really excited to share their daily symbiotic with our audience. The formulation of the daily symbiotic combines a probiotic and prebiotic, is vegan and gluten-free, and includes 24 clinically studied naturally occurring strains not found in yogurt or fermented foods and beverages, and lives up to the highest standards for human and planetary health. Yes. In addition to being a really reliable probiotic and prebiotic supplement, Seed is committed to creating science-based education for all those that partner with them through accountable advertising at Seed University. This is where we are all committed to not spreading misinformation about health on the internet, which is pretty important. Also, I personally love their commitment to sustainability with a refill system and all recyclable or biodegradable packaging materials. Erica and I only advertise products that we use and feel are of benefit to us and by extension could be of value to our community. If you would like to order Seed Daily Symbiotics to incorporate into your own gut health routine, Go to seed.com and use Courageous15 at checkout for 15% off, or click on the link in our show notes or the link tree on Instagram. So welcome, Alexis. Thank you so much for being here today. We are very excited to have this conversation with you. So to get us started, can you share a little bit about your personal journey and a little bit about your background that led you to the work you do now. Yeah, absolutely. And thank you guys so much for having me on here. I'm really excited to, uh, to be here with you. Um, 
So in terms of my uh, personal journey, it really didn't start out uh, anything like this at all. <laughs> um, maybe, you know, I think more and more, maybe that's uh, the the way that it's going for a lot of people, you know, but um, I really started out completely differently, um, actually studying kind of economics, international relations, international development, um, going in through the route of consulting. And that was really what I had wanted to do since I was about 13 years old. Uh, so just followed on that path. Um, did I did go through a very severe uh, depression in, in high school, um, had a lot of addiction in my family. Um, you know, so now I can see that that's kind of, it's all playing this role into, into how I got where I got. But at the time, of course, I didn't know any of that. And I was pretty steadfast on, you know, this is what I'm going to do. This is what life is going to look like. Um, had it all planned out, you know? And, um, after grad school, I, um, I got my dream job, you know, I, I got the job that I really wanted. I was traveling around the world. It was, exciting. It was, uh, new. It was, you know, all of these things. And, um, yet something in my life was seriously off. Uh, I had fallen back into, uh, depression, not as severe as the first time I had terrible anxiety. I had become anorexic. Um, I was back on antidepressants. Um, and I, I do like to say nothing wrong with that. <laughs> I'm not against them, but, um, but I knew I didn't want to be on them forever, you know, on and off. And I, I had that fear. Is this always going to be how it is for me? Um, I kind of felt that I was just going into a tailspin. And at the same time, I was having this kind of terrible fear of like, okay, my job's not fulfilling me. This career path isn't fulfilling me, but I have wanted it for over a decade. You know, this, like, what is going on? Like how, am I so unhappy? And is, is this the, just the way that life is like, is, is happiness this elusive thing that doesn't really exist? Um, so I, at that point, uh, really started to feel that something had to change, um, because I felt I was completely spiraling out. Um, but I didn't know what that was, you know, at that time, that was, that was back in about 2012, 2013. So the wellness industry as it is today was, was nothing like that, you know, back then. And, uh, I knew what yoga was. I'd kind of been doing it on and off for a few years, but one of uh, my best friends and actually the founder and CEO of Humor Rising, she went through her 200 hour teacher training in I think 2012. And I saw such a shift in her and I was like, okay, I'm going to do it. You know, I'm going to do it. And, uh, I went through the same one and, and that I think, for me was really the kind of start of this path as I knew it. Um, from then I went on to um, become certified in uh, integrative nutrition, health coaching, um, and then life coaching. And then uh, just continued on with my trainings in um, yoga, meditation, breath work. Um, and so that all kind of went on uh, for a while. Um, and then most recently, uh, I started to about two and a half years ago, I did ayahuasca for the first time because I really felt that um, I still was, actually, I just felt called, if I'm honest, I just felt called, but there was something in it for me that I couldn't understand what it was. And so I went down to Costa Rica and I decided to do it and that unlocked the whole next thing. Um, and so since uh, 
then my interest in psychedelics has grown, not, not completely on its own, but um, in terms of how do we integrate these other practices? How do we practice true integration? How do we um, bring the lessons from these powerful medicines into our life? And so I've most recently become um, a psychedelic integration coach and guide for an online ketamine clinic, Mind Bloom, and also a facilitator of ayahuasca. So it's been a journey. Um, it's been a journey. It's been a beautiful one, an amazing one. Um, and throughout all of that, um, you know, if, uh, about two and a half years ago now, um, started working with Humorizing, um, which is an app and a platform for uh, deep subconscious healing and transformation, which um, I can talk about more, but we'll also be moving soon into uh, the psychedelic integration space. Yeah. Oh, thank you so much for sharing your story. And um, it's so interesting. I love hearing people kind of like share it. You know, it's funny, we share our stories in a linear way, but clearly through your experiences, it's like the next thing you never necessarily know what door it's going to open in your life. And, and our lives are not linear. And, um, I just love hearing sort of when people go into these phases of sort of exploration for themselves, um, and curiosity to what might be different than what they sort of had initially expected, uh, for what they wanted and, and the evolution of that and, and seeing your, or you sharing your evolution, um, that is even continuing now and how it's, um, expanding even your, your company now. Um, it's really, it's really cool. I always get kind of excited to hear these stories. Mm-hmm. So thank you for sharing that. And, um, yeah, I'm, I'm curious. So you shared that when you were in this space of kind of going back into a depression in adulthood and dealing with the anxiety and, um, even the anorexia, the sort of like manifesting of all of this stress in your life. What, you know, like you said, you're established in this sort of career, um, and this life, and it had to have been a pretty extreme sort of feeling or something inside you that really helped you have the courage to change that for yourself. So I'm curious, like if you could just expand a little bit on that moment or that time period, what that experience was like for you and and how did you know that it was um, time to make pretty drastic changes? Yeah. Uh, You know, it's so funny you say that because there was a moment, like there was a moment, you know, and uh, I'm I'm not sure it always happens that way or maybe it does. Um, But you know, I, I now, um, and I, I even struggle a bit with what I'm going to say, because I, you know, I, when people are like, I'm spiritual or I'm not spiritual or that's not spiritual, you know, I, I'm like, well, I, I, I try to say when I began identifying as being spiritual. Right. And, um, so for me at that point, I was not, I did not identify with being spiritual at all. Um, it wasn't a part of my life. Uh, and I'm not, I'm not saying right now, whether it, it, is a good thing or a bad thing, like nothing like that. What I'm saying is the only way now that I can explain what happened to me was that like something like my future self came to me. Like I, you know, and at that point I had no idea like what it was, still not sure what it is. (laughs) Um, but I had this really clear moment. I, um, you know, I knew something wasn't working out. I knew something was going to have to change. 
um, probably. I wasn't really admitting it to myself. So I was in complete self-sabotage, like self-destruct button mode. Um, you know, people around me started to kind of, you know, notice, especially with the anorexia, um, but I could kind of play it off. But inside, like I have, I, re I can honestly say I've never felt so imprisoned in my life uh, as I did at that time. And I was, and so I had this moment and it literally almost flashed like a, a vision. I mean, like a, almost like a daydream type vision, you know, of me on my deathbed at like 90 years old, looking back at my life and this, uh, this voice, it was my own voice, you know, but it came through me and it just says, this is not the way your life went down. Like, this isn't the way it goes down. And in that moment, I just kind of got this, like, I, you know, I won't swear on the podcast, but just, it's like, Oh crap. Like, you know, like it felt so beyond me at that point. It was like, are you really going to look back after all this time and regret the way that you went through this, like the way that you did this. And I just knew at that point that, um, it, you know, that something was going to have to change that I had to admit it to myself, that there was no more escaping it. And then I went through, you know, all of the fear of, I look back now and I'm like, Oh God, who cares? You know, but but I have the other stuff that I fear about what people are going to think now, you know, when I do certain things But I remember thinking like, my God, you are, you know, a year and a half out of the masters you only could have dreamed of. What are these people going to think you're about to, uh, when I made the decision to leave, to, you know, become a yoga teacher and a life coach, you're, you're moving to the Bahamas. You're going to become a life coach and a yoga teacher living on an Island. Like, what is everyone going to think of you? And, and I say it now, like, you know, with some humor, but it was not funny back then. Like it was really, uh, terrifying, honestly. Um, but you know, the way that I now see it and I, I focus so much on, um, on being true to, to ourselves and, and how we reconnect and how we realign with ourselves. And the truth is uh, there may always be things where we fear the outside perception or perspective. But what I found was it, I got to a place um, and I get there much quicker now where it becomes too painful to not listen to myself. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, thank you for sharing that. I think, you know, it's like choosing your heart almost, right? Like we hear this a lot. It's like, do you want to choose the pain of staying the same right. or choose the pain? Yeah. It's air quotes. It's a podcast of going through that really scary unknown transformation. And I think a lot of people it's, it's, it's much easier to choose the pain, you know, right? Well, I know this, right. I've struggled with depression or I've like, I'm miserable, but I understand like I, this, this misery is safe, right? Like it's safe to stay there. Um, so yeah, there's a lot more I want to unpack in that and, and go through with you because I think right now, um, so many people, I think, right. Like we we've, we're living in this like pandemic or post pandemic world, but there's also this pandemic of hopelessness, um, which is really prevalent. And, and I think people are really struggling, um, more than ever, uh, with this sense of like hopelessness, but through this transformation, before we unpack that and go into all of, right, like how, right. Like the meditation, the psychedelics, all of this. Right. But when you start changing your life, right. And I know Ali and I have gone through this in different ways. Um, the reality is people aren't always comfortable with that change, right? Like people aren't always comfortable. So going 
I guess like staying here, but also going back, like how did your family and friends react to this change? Like, do you feel like, did your, you said you weren't right spiritual before this. So did your upbringing prepare you for what was going to happen? Was it a supportive environment to go through this change or was part of the metamorphosis losing people along the way through awakening to your true self? Yeah, I think it's a great question. I'm, even though I'm having a little bit of resistance right now, I'm going to, I'm going to answer as honestly as I can. Um, yeah. Um, I am incredibly fortunate to have the parents that I have (laughs) and, uh, they are, you know, they're Western medical doctors. (laughs) They are, you know, uh, and I, I really, I went a very different path. I I will say, and I I think, I think my dad, I think they'll be okay with me saying this, uh, you know, they, they lived in the seventies. They did their experimentation as well, but, uh, but it was a really, it was a much different thing right back then. Um, but, and so, you know, from time to time, although I think they've changed their perspective a lot too, as, as, as I've gone through this and as the world has shifted, um, but there were times that, you know, we would butt heads on, on how we believed, you know, uh, a certain industry or something, what, you know, was for a time, but I was incredibly fortunate in that my parents always said to me, um, from the very beginning, first thing they said growing up was don't be a doctor. The industry is changing too much. So I was, I was lucky to have that because I hate blood, you know, but, um, but what they always said was, uh, you know, be able to support yourself um, and do what makes you happy. And if, if you do those two things and we support you in it, even if we don't always agree, you know, when I was in international development, I was traveling to dangerous places in the world, you know, things like that. They, they, you know, my mom would bag me. Do you have to go? Are you sure you have to go? You know, all that good stuff that, that moms and parents do, but, uh, they've always been incredibly supportive. And, and in this, they have really, they have really, um, uh, been incredible supports in, in me finding my own way, um, with friendships, uh, that, you know, I, didn't really have any huge falling, fallings out, falling out. (laughs) Um, One thing that uh, I would say is that naturally as we shift and change and the things that uh, we value or that we spend our time, our energy on, as those things change, we'll have more in common with certain people and and not with others. Um, And I think really that's mostly, I haven't had any like huge dramatic falling falling outs. Um, but I think really, I have seen some of that. And I have also seen on the opposite side of that, I've seen people come back and say, you know, you actually seem happy. You actually seem different. Like, can I talk to you about it? Um, you know, I'm feeling this a different way in my life. I'd like to feel different. Um, I've had people from grad school that I wasn't close friends and come out of the woodworks and be like, you know, I'm thinking about doing my teacher, my yoga teacher training. So it's like, you just never know, you know, you never know. And, um, you know, on the flip side of that, I, you know, I recently went, uh, through a separation with, um, with, you know, my, my ex, um, who, you know, I was married to and we were together for 13 years and, um, he is an amazing human being. And we just started to grow in, in different directions. And that's been an incredibly challenging, uh, thing in my life. Um, 
So, uh, and again, not acrimonious, not that sort of thing, but just, you know, what we resonate with is, is different. And, um, you know, I even have some resistance to speaking to that, not because I'm not open or willing, but, um, you know, it, it is more recent. And, um, I, you know, so I, I say that not to, not to scare people or to be like, oh my God, if this happens, you're going to, because I've also seen, uh, I've also seen people come along the journey, you know, and I've also seen people step up and, um, uh, maybe step up is the wrong term, but yes, is there the possibility that there's not, uh, either the support or the common ground that you used to have with people? Absolutely. But I, but I always turn back to, um, what's the alternative? like the battle inside of yourself and how long can you fight that battle and what's the expense of it? Like for me, it was at these different times in my life, like, you know, it's, I love what you said about the right, you know, things being hard or things being painful. And, and Glennon Doyle said it in such an amazing way. She's like, there's the right kind of hard and the wrong kind of hard. And just, you know, she's like, sobriety is the right kind of hard. It's hard, but it's the right kind of hard. Addiction was the wrong kind of hard, you know, just to give, a really clear example. Um, and so I think for me, you know, this growth and this evolution, it's, oh my God, if I said it wasn't hard sometimes, like I would be totally BSing everyone. Like there are days that I'm just like, oh my God, but it's the right kind of hard. And like in my gut, in my soul, in my heart, in my everything, I know that. And so I keep going, you know? Um, and there have been times where I try to stay and I try to fight it and I struggle against it as long as I can. And I get physically sick. I get um, mental illness. I get incredible anxiety. I, you know, it, it's endless. And it's like, it's for me, it's now a process of how do I identify that misalignment quickly? How do I learn to trust more? You know, like big trust, like, you know, faith kind of trust. How do I surrender to it? How do I see it all as grace? How do I let it go of it needing to be my way? Because it's not, it's probably not going to be my way. And, and finally, honestly, in the last few months, I've gotten to the point where I'm like, whatever it is, you know, it's, it's led me to places I couldn't even imagine. So I'm just going to have to trust that it will continue to do so and that I'll be okay. Um, yeah. 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 Thank you. That's yeah. That's like, I feel like what you just described is sort of, you know, the big, at least what we've, we've discovered for ourselves in our own ways, as Erica was saying, like the big part of life school. And it's not that it necessarily gets easier, but we get better at it. If you start to maybe develop that muscle, develop that trust that you were talking about, trusting that our body is talking to us in a certain way, like the intelligence in that, or trusting that gut feeling, trusting that even if we don't think it's what we want, trusting that sometimes it's what we need. Yes. And that is a hard thing to develop. And I think in the beginning, when you ignore it for a long time, I know I've been there too, where I ignored certain things for years. Cause I didn't want it to be a certain way. Yeah. Um, it doesn't go away. It just takes longer. And so it's like, when we start to develop this sense of like, okay, maybe this is not like comfortable, but I can trust that if I go through it on the other side is even more for me, even more grace, even more, um, just like possibility and, and expansion in a way that I can't maybe understand or see right now. And it feels really scary, but 
it's there, but it's, it's just remembering that each time that comes up. So I'm curious, I know you are a yoga, a yogi. (laughs) Um, do you have any specific practices that you've put into place for yourself to help practice trusting that practice, Mm -hmm. having that faith or like being able to act from that place? Mm -hmm. Um, yeah. Yeah. That's a really good question. Um, as it relates to the trust and the faith, uh, specifically, you know, if I go way back to when I, um, first started regularly practicing yoga, which was back in, you know, I guess, 2012, when, um, you know, I was going through all this, it, and, and when I say yoga, I mean, the physical practice, the postures, right. What, what we often think of as, uh, as yoga, um, it was the first time that, uh, I started to connect with my body, right. That I started to actually feel what it felt like to be in my body. And so I'd say like, if, if we look at the grossest level, it's, it's the physical body, right. And it's, are we learning to listen to those signs for me? That was really, uh, through the physical practice, but it can be through so many different, um, you know, techniques, things like mindfulness. There are so many emerging things in this, in this industry today. Um, the next thing that I would say for me personally, and I, and I, I say all of this uh, with a really deep belief that we all have to find our own path. Um, and all, you know, all that any of us can do is speak to, you know, what's helped us, but we all have to develop our own internal listening to like, yes, this is for me right now. And this is not for me. And that might be on the background. It might be back, you know, for me one day. Um, but really, I think that that is, more important than probably anything else I'm going to say <laughs> is to, uh, is to be able to learn, to listen to our own unique journey and our own unique path. Um, but for me, it was first the, the physical, then actually what really got me because, um, a regular meditation practice didn't start for me, um, for years, for years, even though I knew I should, and I knew it was good. And I knew, you know, all that stuff that they tell us, you know, Um, but I wasn't there. And, um, the next thing that really bridged it for me was actually, um, the study of the philosophy of yoga. Uh, so it was the text, it was the Bhagavad Gita, the yoga sutras. Um, it was studying these things. It was studying, um, the laws of karma and reincarnation for whatever reason, when I heard those things, they made more sense to me in a way that I couldn't really understand or explain than anything had ever made sense to me in my life. I was like, well, that has to make the most sense of all, you know? Um, and that, what that did was it allowed me in my own way to begin to fathom something bigger than myself, uh, which really, you know, I had never done. And I now realize I had longed for my entire life. I, you know, I was just in the car with my mom recently and I was trying to explain to her. And I said, you know, there's this homesickness I had felt my entire life, but I didn't know where home was. Like I didn't, I, I, it's not that I didn't want to be alive, but I didn't know where in the world I wanted to be. And I'm now realizing it was that connection to something greater than myself, uh, which is also the same thing that is deep inside of ourselves. Right. And so that really the philosophy was what bridged it for me. Um, But as as, um, one of my great teachers, Sri Dharma Mitra, who I did most of my yoga trainings with, 
as he said, he said, you know, you can believe something, whatever it is, 99%, but the last 1%, you have to meditate and you have to go inside and you have to see it as true for yourself. And, um, and so for me, really that became the, the, not the final, who knows what the final is, right? But the, the most recent piece that's really solidified that is a regular meditation practice. And, um, and I always say to people when they're starting to meditate, like, don't worry if it like feels awful or you're doing it wrong, or you're doing it badly. It's, it's a stage in it. It's the first stage. Like, you, you know, it is what it is. Then you witness or you cultivate seed of the observer. Oh, that's just the workings of the mind. Then you start to get the space. Then you start to see the consciousness. It comes in after, you know, it's just the stages, but um, so for me, a regular meditation practice, because it's the dedicated time every day where I slow down and I quiet down and I become still enough to hear what is true or what is true for me. And, um, so however people want to do that, you know, again, like they have to listen for their own truth. And even within meditation, my practice tends to shift every few months, you know? Uh, and, um, and so I think most recently in my life, it is, it is making that time to reconnect every day so I can hear because otherwise, you know, the, the world we live in, the opinions, the everything it's inundating. You can't hear yourself, you know, you can't hear yourself. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you for sharing that. Um, it's so similar. Ali and I have, we met actually through our Buddhist practice. We practice Buddhism and, um, yeah, Ali, it's like you're seven, you've been doing it now for like seven, almost eight years. And, um, I was born into the practice and the way you talked about, um, your experience was very similar to my mom's. My mom found Buddhism when she, you know, came to Santa Monica in the eighties. And, um, she felt the same way she, when she found it, she felt like she, like came home to herself. Like it felt like home, but we chant Allie and I, and that's like a big, that's our practice, you know, morning and evening. And it helps us so much and it evolves. And even when you talked about like the stages, we have this concept of like 10 worlds where you go through like the world, different worlds. Right. But it's all about yourself, right. At the end of the day, it's all about Buddhahood existing in yourself. So I just love that. And I agree. I think everybody finds what works for them, but through finding what works for you, it really like helps you come home to yourself as we've been talking about. And, but I know it can be so hard and especially right. Like, because you mentioned depression, right. And, um, depression and all these different things. And again, that so many people are struggling with, and I have so many people in my life who I love so much, who would benefit so much from like something, right. Be it, some sort of practice, some sort of meditation. But again, like this, like never before, I think people are really struggling with, you know, yeah. their mental health, you know, so tremendously. And I know actually like, you know, there's so many documentaries too, on how psychedelics can help with our mental health and meditation can help and different practices. Right. So I guess that leads me to how did you find what worked for you? Right. Like that kind of like, exploration yeah. and how do you help other people find what works for them as well? Right. Like that kind of combo for anyone listening. And, and again, I feel like because all of our listeners, you know, our regular listeners know Ali and I are Buddhists. I feel like most of our listeners are regular listeners have some basic understanding, but I do find in, 
it's like not judging yourself where you're at, but I know so many people who are so awake and so spiritual. And so, and they're struggling right in this world today with like connection. So yeah, I guess it's like, how did you figure out what was right for you and how do you help other people find what's right for them? Be it the psychedelic group, be it, um, meditation or, or something else. Mm, yeah. I, you know, the, the first thing that I just, it keep, it's coming, it's top of my mind anyway. So I just, I just want to say it. Um, because I think you said before, um, you know, there's this like pandemic of hopelessness and I, I mean, I have been talking to, um, and, and not even my, my clients, but like, you know, some students and just people in my life and, it is, you know, today, like today, I just had a day where I felt inundated by it. I was like, oh my God, like, you know, I wake up and every day and do what I do because I believe that this can change. And I, you know, and all that. And I just had a day today. I was like, oh my God, this is, this feels heavy today. You know, it feels heavy. Um, and, you know, so, so top of my mind is just to say to everyone, like, whatever you're going through as heavy as it is, however long you've been going through it, as much as you, whether you feel pride, whether you feel like it's hopeless, whether you, there are, there is a way out. There is a way out. I can't like, I can't, I'll answer your question in a second. I cannot like tell you like do A, B, C, D, you know, and then, and then that's your way out. But I just feel it so important to say to people um, that are struggling right now, there is a way out for each and every one of us. And I wholeheartedly believe that. Um, to answer your question, how did I figure it out for me first? Um, I got really good at listening. Um, it's all I can say because one thing happens, right? So I go through my yoga training and, um, and I do that. And I studied vinyasa and I did it for a few years and I hit a wall and I was just like, what is, there's a promise of yoga and I'm not, I'm not getting it. Right. I'm not, I don't get it. Uh, you know, I'm moving through these postures and doing this and doing that. I reached out to, uh, this amazing teacher who trained me. And I said, well, you did your training with Sri Dharma. Like, can you tell me more about it? And she said, it's, um, it's called the training is called life of a yogi because it's not about what it's, how do you live your life as a yogi? Something in me just said, yes, that feels like true. That feels like true. So I listened to that. So I did that. So I did three more trainings with him. I started to listen to the karma, the reincarnation, all this stuff. Then I heard Ram Das about three years ago and I listened to him so, so often it's, you know, cause I can hear him. I can hear him, but I listened and then it was, oh, something in that is truth, right? Something in that is truth. So I started listening to that a lot. Right. And then, you know, he talks a lot about psychedelics, all these things, but then there were people in my life that went down to do ayahuasca and probably the first one, five, six years ago. Then my friends came back three years ago and they had ended up doing it at the same place as a prior friend. Something in me was like, you, that seems like truth that like, and again, I use that word truth, but there was just something in me that was like, you know, I was hearing about astrologies. I was hearing about this. I was hearing about that. I become more and more interested in astrology and I'm not putting down anything or saying there's one way I'm saying there will be things that pull us more strongly. And when the things pull us more strongly than listen, you know, then listen, there are also, it's very interesting because Buddhism has started to be right. It started to be like, it used to be 
really far away. It's getting in closer. So is Taoism. So is Vipassana meditation. So I just pay attention to the fact that these things aren't right here in front of me right now. They're off a little bit of ways, but there's something in them that pulls me. So I don't force myself toward them, right? I'm not like, okay, now I need to go do some huge Buddhism training. I trust that if and when the time comes, it will, but I pay attention to the fact that it's there. And so that's the kind of the best, you know, description that I can give to people of like, you learn, you learn to listen to what pulls at you and when, and if the resistance comes up, it's okay. You notice it. You don't have to, you don't have to go full force into that thing immediately, but it's, it's showing you something, right? Like the things that you don't care about, you're just not going to care about. They don't have any meaning or any charge or any holding for you right now. So notice those things as they come up. If you've ever noticed um, anything in life that, uh, you know, actually Ram Das gives this amazing example. And he says, you know, of how we create our own reality. And he says, you know, three people are walking down the street. If you're, you know, if you're horny, you're going to see all the people that are attractive to you or irrelevant or whatever. If you're hungry, you're going to see all the restaurants. If your car is broken down, you're going to see all the mechanics, whatever it is, right? pay attention to the things that are creating your reality. And I, and I don't mean to stay stuck in like something, but, but if these things are coming into your, your view, if these things are coming into your view, into your kind of like field of vision, just pay attention, ask yourself, like, what could this hold? And then if it feels really intimidating, like what's a first step, like what's a small thing. Do you just listen to a podcast on it? You know, do you, uh, you know, do you do a, I don't really want to say a Google search that scares me a little bit, you know, you can, you can go down a bad place with that. Um, you know, do you ask that person that, you know, from five years ago that was talking about it, do you reach out and just say, Hey, do you have any good resources? You know, whatever it is. Um, yeah, that's, that's the best kind of example or advice I can give on that. This episode is brought to you by base. Ever wanted to figure out why you are feeling sluggish or bloated or what's really up with your stress levels or why you never feel truly rested with base at home blood work kits, a simple finger prick or saliva sample makes it easy to find out the answers to common health concerns. Whether you know which tests you want to get started with, or you need some guidance, BASE's proprietary assessment quiz makes it easy to begin your health journey empowered with an understanding of your own body. Members can measure, understand, and improve their health levels related to the five most common areas of health concerns, diet, stress, energy, sleep, and sex drive. The result of your hormone, vitamin, or nutrient tests are delivered to you through BASE's app and come with personalized recommendations, including lifestyle changes, supplement suggestions, and more. We both had the opportunity to try base and we love having the information at our fingertips and really recommend it as a resource. You know, we are huge proponents of advocating for your own health and base gives you a baseline information about yourself just to make it easier. Pricing starts at $59.95 per month or quarterly, or you can start with base complete, which are eight tests upfront for $450. We are happy to be able to offer our listeners 20% off with the code CW Podcast. 
To get started, take the base quiz, which will give you a recommendation for a personalized testing plan. Visit get-base.com slash podcast to receive 20% off with code CWPODCAST at checkout. You can also find the direct link to the quiz in our show notes. We want to take a quick break from this episode to tell you about today's sponsor, Milk and Honey. I have been using their baking soda free deodorant exclusively for over two years. This gentle aluminum free baking soda free deodorant was designed to nourish sensitive skin while keeping you feeling and smelling fresh all day long. When I decided that I wanted to make the switch to a clean aluminum free deodorant, I tried so many different brands and each and every time I was plagued with red itchy bumps under my arms on top of feeling not confident at all that I did not smell. Milk and honey not only never once gave me those pesky red bumps, but also passed the smell test, even after an intense spin and hit class. It truly is the best and comes in two scents, lavender tea tree and lemon vanilla. And for our local to Los Angeles listeners, Milk and Honey has the most amazing spa that just opened in Brentwood in West LA after being the go-to spa with multiple locations in Texas for so long. They offer facials, body treatments, massages, and so much more at their beautiful new space. I recently had a massage at the Brentwood location and it was a lovely experience. We are so happy that Milk and Honey Spas are now in LA. And of course, their online boutique is just the best if you aren't local. Milk and Honey is a line of non-toxic, effective, and safe bath, body, and skincare products made in small batches in Austin, Texas. They source ingredients as hyper-clean as possible, which means both choosing organic and making thoughtful, informed choices on safe ingredients. Milk and Honey is a female-founded and funded brand, and in addition to clean deodorant, they also carry non-toxic bath, body, and skincare products like hydration creams, cleansers, soaps, body polish and lots more that will make you feel nourished inside and out their online boutique also offers clean beauty products from top brands including osea malibu virtue moon juice kula sun care and more if you want to try milk and honey you can receive 15 percent off your order by visiting milkandhoney.com and using the code cw podcast one word at checkout you can also find the direct link in our show notes So I'm curious, you mentioned about the first time you were called to go experience and do ayahuasca in Costa Rica, you said, um, and now you've become certified in, um, psychedelic it's, it's basically like in a therapeutic way, correct? Yeah. So it's a couple of different things. So I'm, I'm going through, um, an amazing training program called being true to you which, um, is addiction recovery and psycho-spiritual mm. integration, um, that also, you know, uh, talks about the entheogens, the psychedelics, all that. Um, so that would be kind of the formal training, um, in terms of, uh, in terms of the ketamine. So I'm a psychedelic integration coach for an online ketamine clinic, because right now I'm sort of universally for therapeutic use. Uh, ketamine is the only legal psychedelic. Yeah. Um, and so that company mind bloom really, uh, you know, helps people with treatment, resistant depression, anxiety, um, OCD, things like that. Um, so, so that's another part of it. And that's all done remotely with ayahuasca. 
um, I am a facilitator. So I sit in the ceremonies themselves um, and facilitate that. Um, Now, universally, uh, ayahuasca is, uh, universally in the United States, is not legal. However, when done through a church as the way that, um, where I facilitate, it it is legal. Um, Yeah. I don't even know if I answered your question, but no, you, I mean, you did. And it actually, it's a good, no, it's a good segue too, because I think it's only just now becoming a little bit more understood, um, from a mean, I'm going to say mainstream perspective, um, about the potential benefits of psychedelic, um, drugs for lack of a better word. I mean, I don't know if that's, but psychedelics and there's been all this research too. Erica and I were just talking about watching the um, documentary fantastic fungi before we started recording, but, um, but in that they, they talk about in the context of like psilocybin that there was just not the industry for it because it wasn't going to make as much money um, because people didn't need to use it for the rest of their lives in the way that some um, prescription and pharmaceutical drugs to deal with depression, mental health, anxiety, as we were talking about earlier. And, and now um, that's starting to change a little bit. And um, so anyway, I would love to just, as someone who's in this field. And, um, as you mentioned too, with humor rising, expanding into this, I would love just to hear a little bit more about it. If some, if one of our listeners is really just maybe hearing about it in this context for the first time, and even the way ketamine is being used now, I actually have, um, my Eastern medicine, uh, practitioner and acupuncturist has started doing it, it as well for, um, some of her patients. And, uh, I would just, I would love you to just kind of generally share a little bit, say if someone's listening and hearing about this sort of in an introductory way. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so you are right. Psychedelics are, um, they're now emerging, uh, as you know, for therapeutic use. Um, and, and therapeutic, we can think of in terms of, you know, mental health, um, depression, anxiety, OCD, um, suicidality, PTSD, right? Um, and also in a uh, emerging kind of, I don't even want to say on the side, because these things have been around for, you know, so long, especially the, the natural ones, the ones that are not um, synthetic, um, but uh, emerging in, in more widespread use um, for, for spiritual reasons. Right. And, and I think that what we're finding, which is really beautiful, um, I attended an online, the psychedelic symposium, which was online and it's, there's really this kind of coming together of, uh, and however you want to define spirituality, right. But, but maybe this connection to something that is bigger than ourselves, whether you call it nature, whether you call the universe, whether you call it God, whether you call it interconnectedness, it doesn't really matter, right. Whatever, whatever works. Um, we're finding that maybe it's not so separate. Uh, that there's more interlinking between some of the things that uh, that we're struggling with and suffering from um, right now, that there is a connection. And there are also uh, many other factors to, to what is contributing to our, um, you know, some of the mental health crises that we're, that we're in right now. Um, that being said, there have been people like Rick Doblin with, um, with Matt who have been doing this behind this work behind the scenes and trying to change legislation for decades. 
there was a, there's a book. I haven't read it. I just, I laugh because the name of the book is um, your neighbor is doing psychedelics. And, and it just makes me laugh because we tend to think of it as this really new and emerging thing, but it's like actually way more people are doing them and end in therapeutic settings. than we actually think what's happening is we're not quite yet. So maybe comfortable in certain work settings or social settings, you know, saying that we're doing it. So um, that's the, the first thing that I would say. Um, they are used for different things and in different ways, and they can have slightly different uh, effects, but we really are seeing some commonalities with a lot of them. Um, and um, with many of them, the way that they're affecting the brain. So what they're doing um, is they are increasing um, what's called brain drive neurotrophic factor. But basically, they're increasing our neuroplasticity. They're increasing our brain's ability to form new neural connections. So to think differently, act differently, be differently, um, while slowing down what's called the um, default mode network, which is the kind of cyclical nature of what we do. So if, if uh, this is an oversimplification, so you know, take it with a grain of salt, but you know, if, if we have depression, are we cycling in the past and what's happened if, if we have anxiety? And I don't even love to say that. It's not a great example. Um, so, so maybe, you know, act like I didn't say that, but the cyclical nature of the pattern of the way that we always do things. So it's slowing that down. It's increasing our ability to form neuro, new neural connections. And so what's happening is that we, we get this, uh, maybe, uh, relief, especially with, um, I won't even say that we get this maybe relief or this healing that happens, however you want to define healing uh, through ayahuasca. It can be incredibly internal. It can be incredibly intense. Um, you know, a lot can happen, but we get this internal healing combined with this ability to choose for ourselves how we want to move forward. And so this is a really, uh, can be a really powerful thing. I, I do take your point to um, you know, what does it mean for the industries as they are? If we really begin to regain our health, as we, if, as we really begin to heal, as we really begin to um, think with or act with more awareness, more consciously, you know, what does that mean for, um, for the industries and the structures that we have now? Well, you know, questionable. Yeah, questionable. Um, but with uh, initial, the initial studies, and some of them are anecdotal, although I will say that ketamine is legalized for, um, uh, for therapeutic use and it has a very high efficacy rate, um, as high as, and, and this, this is unreported, but 88%, but 80% reported, okay, as high as 80% um, to help with treatment resistant depression and anxiety. Uh, and then you look at MDMA um, for things like PTSD, which is in phase uh, three clinical trials and um, hopefully to be legalized by 2023. And then psilocybin, hopefully a couple of years after that. Um, so, so there is very strong evidence, very strong evidence that um, these therapies are having a profound impact on people. That being said, <laughs> That being said, um, there are contraindications to different ones and, and uh, perhaps not more importantly than that, but what is so important is they are a tool. They are not a panacea. They are not a fix all in one thing. They are not a silver bullet. And I think it's really important to have that conversation now that people understand that like they are 
tools that there are some things that they actually rewire. There are some things I've seen in ayahuasca, people heal real, like, and I don't say real as in like more profound. I just mean like serious traumas in an evening. And they are like, I have let go of it. And I've talked to them much later and they, they resolved it. So those things really do happen. And there are many things that will, we, what it, psychedelics help us, can help us do is see what is possible. What, it, what is, it's possible for us to feel true joy. It is possible for us to feel true interconnectedness. It is possible for us to feel connected with spirit. It is possible for us to um, feel like the, like ever present love that is around us, but then we come back and, and there are lessons that we got throughout the, the journey or the ceremony or whatever. Well, we have to learn how to integrate it, right? Because it's not like you just go back and that feeling lasts forever. Um, we really have to do the work in our own way to understand like, what is the thing that I have to do daily? Okay. So one of the lessons that it showed me was to give up my anger it showed me where I act uh, or I feel victimized in my life. But in every moment then that I feel victimized, I have to choose whether I'm going to go back down that pathway or whether I'm going to choose something differently. And it might be a really strong pull because that's been a pull that I've had for decades, right? And so how am I consciously choosing? How am I setting up the support structures? How am I setting up these ways of being or these moments of pause where I am consciously choosing to go in the direction of the lesson that I got in the ceremony, right? So I just, I, I think it's an important conversation to have the more preparation we do to understand what it is that we wanna change, what we're struggling with. Um, and then the more that we uh, think about what integration practices look like, and the more that we set ourselves up for those before we do it, the more successful and the more profound uh, the impact of that particular tool is going to be. Yeah. Wow. Thank you. Thank you. It's so, I'm so interested. It's so interesting to me and I'm just starting to learn more about it. I think I mentioned quickly before we started recording that like psilocybin, I'm feeling very like called towards, like I find it so interesting and, and especially for the therapeutic reasons. And I've never been somebody, you know, like I love a music festival. I've been to literally all of them, but, um, I never felt called to do like, that wasn't the experience I was seeking. And that's not the experience I would seek doing anything like this at, but the idea of having a therapeutic moment with a psychedelic is, is very interesting to me. So it's something I'm personally exploring, but I think it's, it's so interesting because that concept that you mentioned, right. Of like being prepared and going into it with like, well, how are we going to integrate this when we come back into society? And it reminds me not to, you know, like Buddhism really talks about, right. Like what is enlightenment. And I think people, right. Have this concept, not people a lot, like just in general as human beings in Western culture and capitalist America, right. We have this idea of this destination that we're going to get out, get at and be fixed or healed or solved. But, um, the type of Buddhism we practice really brings it back to like earth and is like, no, you're a human having a human experience. And so enlightenment is a place you can reach, or you can discover things about yourself and reach this world of Buddhahood, but Buddhahood also exists in hell. It exists in your anger. It exists. So it's about like, how do we live the most human existence, right? Like, so when you mentioned that integration, I was like, oh, it just reminds me so much about that as well, because, um, yeah, we are humans, right? Having a human experience and 
um, another guest of ours recently called it earth school. She was like, we're in earth school and this is our earth school time. Right. So I love that. I just thank you. Thank you so much for sharing about that because, um, it's something that I'm newly learning about and, um, fantastic fungi was a great documentary that touched on psilocybin, but, um, yeah, it's really interesting and it's definitely new and emerging and, hopefully, like you said, we'll continue to expand and be legalized, especially because tangent that we don't have to go down, but alcohol is so addicting and so legal and can destroy so many lives. Right. But then other drugs that have therapeutic, um, opportunities get a bad name for whatever reason, you know, mainly because they can't be commodified yet, but that's a different conversation. It is, but I, I think that you know, you also made a good point about, you know, whether, whether you do it at a music festival or this or that look like I'm, you know, I'm whatever people choose is what they're going to choose. But, you know, we know that set and setting has a, a profound impact on, uh, on the experience. And so when, if, and when we either go into it with a therapeutic approach or a a spiritual approach, um, the likelihood that that we're going to get the healing that we're seeking is much higher. It does now look, I've, I've heard stories of people, you know, going to do other things and they get it anyway. And so it's not an impossibility, but, um, but the setting that you're in, the surroundings that you're in, and then your set, your mindset has a huge impact on it. And, um, and also on, you know, as we, as we hopefully do move forward with this, um, as a common, therapy, uh, you know, it, it is just worth thinking about, you know, when, if, and when people have bad experiences, because they're not doing it in, in a safe way, um, it obviously impacts them. It, it impacts the direction of the industry, you know, it impacts all of these things, but, um, you know, I, they can be, uh, dangerous substances if not, if not done in the right way, right. Under people who understand, um, contraindications, um, how to keep people, you know, physically safe, if that's a consideration with some of them, it is, um, more than others. Um, and so, yeah, it's really, it's, it's an important conversation to have. Yeah. And I think the way you described, um, you know, we were talking about sort of a general overview, but especially with like plant-based or sort of natural medicines, like there's so these come from indigenous communities and they're thousands of years old, but it's done in a very sort of sacred and spiritual way for those communities specifically. And I think it's an important thing to point out because, you know, we can talk about it in this sort of like contemporized context. Um, and also within, like, we're talking about like within the capitalist framework of commodification and things like that. But like you were saying, and I think this goes back to like set and setting, um, there have been generations of where the, at least the natural ones, not like the synthetic ones, like ketamine, but like, and I'm not an expert in this, but just where communities have had this as a part of their sacred spirituality and understand the deep wisdom that it takes to do it in a certain way. Um, so I think, you know, with that kind of respect, it could be used more and more in a beneficial way rather than, um, I don't know. I don't want to like judge people who are going to like have their fun or whatever, but like, there's more, 
like anything, it's really, this is actually a Buddhist thing too. Anything, whether it's can be either like, um, either a, a force or a function in our environment for, for good or, uh, for not. <laughs> and it doesn't necessarily like the function of the thing doesn't change. Right. Like this phone could be, you know, the source of deep depression and anxiety. And it also could be like a life-saving device if I needed it to be right. So it's not that this has any innate, like good or bad, but the way we use these functions of our environment. So I think you make a good point to that. And, um, I just wanted to kind of throw that in as well before, um, yeah, before we wrap up and I I feel like we've been talking and it's gone by so quickly because, there's so much, you know, we're getting from you. So thank you so much for sharing your wisdom in this. And, um, and yeah, and even just to touch on a little bit, you know, we, we mentioned humorizing, which is this app and this platform. And can you just share if any of our listeners want to, um, use it, what, like a little bit about what that experience might be like for them? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, um, the first thing I'll say is currently, although with the second iteration, this won't be the case currently, it's only on, um, iPhone, but we will soon, um, launch the version for Android as well. Um, but really, you know, what we did with humorizing is, um, you know, the, the CEO who is, uh, has been my best friend for a long time, um, Marina Harmon and myself, um, and the other founding teacher, we came together and we really wanted to create something that was, um, again, like, I believe that all techniques have their purpose and they have the people that call them and they have um, different uses for different people at different times. So this isn't a, a conversation of like better than or, you know, anything like that. But for us, what we all found in common was like, we were really interested in, um, uh, these deep subconscious healing practices. So uh, primarily yoga nidra um, and uh, transformational breath work, um, but also in these really kind of like little mini spiritual dharma talks. It's like if we have three to five minutes to catch someone's attention on these concepts that have changed our lives, you know, um, what does that look like? And so with that, we created humorizing. Um, and really that is what the experience is. So you can go in and you can do this sort of um, any, any amount of this kind of seven week um, intro practices that you wanna do, which will include a short talk and a short uh, transformational sort of subconscious healing practice. And then as well, a library of these longer, deeper subconscious healing practices. Um, we also host you know, live events, um, things like that. But you know where it's very interesting because uh, after we, started it, we kind of felt like something was still, I don't want to say missing, but like, but kind of missing. It was like, it wasn't, it's not that it wasn't enough. It's like something else was pulling us. And we were like, what is that thing? You know? And very interestingly, we all in our own ways got called toward ayahuasca. Um, and it happened in a very similar time frame, Uh, and it was, I mean, bizarre is the only way that I can put it, you know? Um, And I mean, working with it as in facilitating it. Um, And, you know, what we realized is that humorizing, uh, that component will stay as it is. The subconscious healing practice will continue to add to those libraries because, uh, and it will continue to evolve and iterate, you know, um, but 
we started to realize like, oh, this is how people can begin to prepare and integrate from plant medicine, from psychedelics, because what starts to happen is you start to similar way, these practices on a, on a lesser uh, or a, a slower um, way sort of impact these same regions of the brain, right? And so it's starting to give you that kind of little like micro dose um, that's not so uh, confronting or um, intense in a way, uh, although very profound. Um, and also pairing it with these talks, which uh, for many people like end up being, you know, now that we've gone through doing psychedelics and stuff, these are these kind of universal concepts of what you might actually end up uh, connecting with or, or having certain truths come through. Um, and so it's interesting that it sort of evolved like backwards almost for us. Um, but it now makes a lot more sense why, why we created it. And so in this second version that's being coded right now and that we're going to roll out, we'll also have sort of a more tailored approach to, okay, if you're going to, if you're, if you are planning to do psychedelics, like this is the way that we would recommend moving through this and integrating from this. Thank you. Thank you for sharing that. And I love that it's, an app on our phones, Alias, like you mentioned in your example too, right? Like our phones are always with us. So I think having this as an app is actually really cool and, um, really exciting. And, um, you will have heard in our intro to this episode where beyond, um, Apple, if it's available by this point. So, um, yeah, yeah, I hope everyone downloads it and checks it out. But as we begin to wrap up, we always close with three questions and just, um, thank you for everything you've shared with us today. I just feel so enriched by this conversation and I'm sure all of our listeners do too. But, um, the first question that we always ask is, and we've kind of touched on this a little bit throughout the conversation, but what are some of your self-care practices and self-care non-negotiables in your day-to-day life? Yeah. Uh, I'd say that the, mm, the biggest, like the daily one <laughs> is my meditation practice. Um, and, uh, that's the daily one. Um, but there are, it's interesting because, uh, what I'm trying to think of how to say this. I feel that my life has become one of self care, you know, it's, so it's, uh, and, and I don't mean that I never like do things I shouldn't do or if I'm going to fall off the wagon all of it. Sometimes like, I'm not saying any of that, you know, like you said, we're going through the human experience and we're learning and part of it is it's not linear. It's just not. Um, but I would say that like my life has become one of what do I put in my body? What do I put on my skin? Um, what do I give my time to? What do I listen to? Uh, what do I watch? What do I consume um, energetically? Uh, who are the people that are close to me in my life? Um, you know, I, I chant a lot of um, mantra, more like kirtan, you know, sort of uh, mantra. And, um, you know, I have a therapist that I've been seeing, oh my God, she's amazing for five years, like every single week, you know? Um, so I, I, I say that because I think that it's not, I'm not saying this to make people feel overwhelmed. Like, oh my God, I have to change it. No, like start somewhere. Like it will evolve, you know, and it will evolve in your way and in your time and be gentle to yourself while it evolves because 
my God, self-love and self-compassion is, uh, is, is almost everything on this journey, I think. Um, but yeah, my daily thing is meditation, but my life has become one of, uh, of all of those things. What do I consume? Uh, who am I around? And, and also looking at, um, self-care is what am I giving back? Like, like how am I on, like, honestly, truly, how am I showing up in the world? Am I being of service? I, you know, I, I literally have a post-it, but like ask, you know, to put me in places of being of service every day. Um, I think it's all self-care, you know, and, and conversely, I think that it, uh, it, you know, we hear it all the time, but as you take care of yourself, it, your innate capacity to support others and taking care of themselves, it just, uh, it's directly linked, you know? Absolutely. Thank you. So our second question is what does uh, being courageous mean to you? Mm. Doing the inner work, doing the inner work, um, doing the inner work to uh, heal. I know that's a really broad term, <laughs> um, you know, to heal our, uh, our conditioning, our, uh, you know, traumas, big and small, um, our karma, whatever you want to call it, you know, um, but I think that we live in a society and, and although I believe it is changing, um, where uh, kind of turning into face ourselves is, uh, everything is externalized, right? It's all externalized. And uh, there's all these promises, we're catching on now, right? There's all these promises of how external things will um, bring us joy. And uh, when we begin to turn to ourselves, I, the reason that I say it's courageous is because, you know, especially at the beginning, like, it is not easy. Maybe at the beginning it is like you catch on a little and you're like, this is great. I feel so much better. Then another layer happens. <laughs> it's been caught, you know, shadow work, dark night of the soul, like whatever you want to call it. Um, but it, it can be really challenging and really confronting as we pull up like decades of conditioning. So I think that, um, uh, doing the work to break through that and to stay with it and to be kind to ourselves while we're doing it so that we can be, you know, truly more aligned and true to ourselves. I, I honestly believe it's the most courageous thing we can do. Yeah. I love that. Thank you so much for sharing that. Um, it reminds me there's a 13th century Buddhist philosopher who says, um, to begin is easy to continue is difficult, but Buddhahood lies in continuing faith. Is that a 13th century? It might be more modern. Yeah, it was, it was Nietzsche, right. Who said that? Thank you. Yeah. So it just reminded me of that. That was really, um, beautiful. Thank you for sharing that. Um, so the last question that we always ask is, is there a book or, um, something, a piece of content, just something along your journey that has been particularly inspiring to you along the way that you'd like to recommend as a resource to the audience? Yeah. Um, you know, top, like top, top of mind for me is always Ram Dass. Um, it's, he's who I can hear, <laughs> you know, it's, it's, it's what I can hear truth through. Um, and, um, what I would recommend, um, and, and this is, this is quite like the, you know, the spiritual side, um, or a, a spiritual sort of, um, content, but, um, he has an app, it's free, it's called Ram Das, and on there you can find, um, you know, you, you can find a lot of different resources, but I always listen to the podcast and, um, and again, it's free. 
the first 13 to 15 minutes is someone else talking, but then you get into Ramdas. But I normally just go through and I see what title resonates with me and, and what, you know, what I feel I need to hear. Um, but, but that's the one that's truest to me. I probably listen to that, you know, on a slow week, once on a heavy week, seven times a week. So it's, it's definitely the truest one for me. Yeah. Thank you. And then, um, of course, if anybody wants to follow, find all those things, um, where can they for, for you and human rising? Yeah, absolutely. So you can, um, for Human Rising, you can download the app um, on the um, Apple Store, uh, soon to be Android, you know, Google Play as well. Um, or you can visit Huma Rising, so that's H-U-M-A Rising.com. Um, for me specifically, um, for any sort of like yoga, spiritual stuff, um, life coaching, psychedelic integration coaching, that sort of thing. Um, my own website, which is Alexis Allison, uh, and that's spelled A-L-L-Y-S-O-N, so alexisallison.com, or on Instagram at um, alexis.allison. Thank you, Alexis. Yeah, thank you guys so much for having me. It's just been a pleasure. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Courageous Wellness. Tune in every Wednesday for a new episode featuring a different guest each week. Subscribe, rate, and write us a nice review. And you can also follow us on Instagram at Courageous Wellness or get in touch via our website, www.courageouswellness.net, where you can also find additional info about our health coaching services, virtual group events, newsletter, and more. Until next week, I'm Allie. And I'm Erica, and we're Courageous Wellness.